Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the new media show. My name is Todd Cochran. Of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Rob Greenlee. Good this morning. Good morning, Rob. Hey, How are you? Good, good, good morning, Todd. It's great to be here again. Um, getting close to the dog days of summer, um, but but the weather's great, so I have no complaints up here in Seattle. There's no rain. Well, that's good. <laughs> hey, Rob, you're just a little bit quiet. If you want to tweak it up a little bit, that'd be great. But uh, otherwise... Okay. Uh, yeah, this morning, uh, good old uh, Blab uh, failed us again, along with other people, too. So it's about a 50-50 shot over there, whether or not it works or not. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's what I noticed. It uh, looks like a lot of other shows are having struggles this morning, too. Even Dave Jackson d- doing his show. Uh, he was just continuously trying to log in, I could tell. So, oh, well, you know, yeah. things don't always work. Yep. And it, uh, when it doesn't, we'll go back to the rock steady. But uh, I, I think we're in the middle of uh, the doldrums of summer. I, well, actually, I think I took those lines right out of your mouth. <laughs> yes, that's all right. It's, it can be emphasized because exactly what's going on. Yes, there's not much going on. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Let me turn you up here. Oh, really? Am I that low? Because I'm actually speaking up pretty, pretty loud. I figured I, I would yell into my microphone. So. Yeah, it was, I don't know. It's just, it's down for some reason, but... Uh, Okay. Anyway, I just uh, put you up 5 dB. Hopefully that... Uh, you did. Yeah. <laughs> I feel nice and uplifted this morning. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, you know, I was... Uh, we, we had just a little bit of a chat this week in that the... Um, once again, there's this ongoing conversation about podcasts and specifically the word podcast. Yeah, I... That's that's the subject that never entirely goes away, right? Yeah, and it, and this one was uh, with uh, Steve Goldstein, and you know I like Steve; he's a great guy. He's doing good stuff in the space, and and you know again, I think he was a little, just a teeny bit on the defensive because um, I guess it kind of, something came up with a conversation it was he was in talking about you know they think they're doing podcasts or they believe they're doing podcasts and. Well, it's um, the whole uh, audible question. Do we want to be inclusive of kind of the o- online radio uh, practices, stuff that are like considered to be kind of in, in proprietary platforms? And do we want to consider those to be podcasts and include them in the name, uh, even though they're not using RSS and they're not doing enclosures and they're not in iTunes and they're, they're in their own little kind of paywall environments? Um, do we consider those to be podcasts? Right. That's the question. Yeah. And I had actually um, said that, uh, you know, I've kind of stuck with my, you know, fallback. If if the show is not available via an RSS feed where they can, and it's just, that's just, you know, and those of you that are, that are listening, they're non-podcasters. Um, you know, the RSS feed is really what made podcasting possible, being able to syndicate the show, um, you know, with a, uh, enclosure tag and, and basically all it is is some code in that that feed that allows iTunes and all the other places to pick that media up and distribute it and syndicate it. Yeah, it's the enclosure tag that's that's yeah. part of the uh the item list in the RSS feed. Yeah, it's it's really simple stuff. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's why they call it really simple syndication. So, and it's been too much consternation over the years. A lot of people have had challenges with it, but I think the, you know, our thought process was, is, you know, and, and 
if if you can't subscribe to it, it's it's just an audio show on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, audio, and you know they've been making audio programming for the internet long before podcasting came in. Exactly, that's yeah. true. I mean, I, I I was one of those folks that were making shows before there was podcasting. So, uh, and back then they were either radio shows or they were just called shows. Yeah. Um, you know, but most of the time they they're actually called radio shows because I mean, a lot of the shows that were available online were actually shows that were kind of terrestrial based broadcast shows at the time. There weren't a lot of independent, um, audio creators in the earlier days of this that were, uh, just doing shows online. Uh, it just, there just weren't very many of them at all. And, and the reason uh, for it was what got everyone excited about this space to begin with, you know, yeah. Yeah. to think that you could, and really what the appeal was, was the thought that you could automate and deliver the content um, to a, a listener and bypass and not have ABC, CBS, NBC, what is now iHeartRadio, what is not, not have to go through a gatekeeper. Yep. You know. That, that was the whole idea behind it, right? Was yeah. to level the, the media distribution playing field. And RSS enabled that. And I think what, what we're kind of resisting in this conversation is the, the pullback to proprietary uh, platforms, which is we're kind of where we started with this, which mm-hmm. is kind of what radio has been. Radio has been a proprietary distribution, more of a, more of a restriction on distribution. It's um, kind of a limitation on distribution. Uh, that's been out there. And when the internet started up, uh, those limitations all went away. And a lot of the folks that, that were working businesses, uh, radio networks or whatever had this exclusive, um, hold on media distribution and RSS opened that up. And, you know, that there has been continual pressure uh, on the part of some, um, entities out there that want to get the control back again. And, I'm not saying that's what's really behind this. I think what's really behind this is that podcasting is kind of a cool medium now. Yeah. Uh, and radio and a lot of the kind of uh, more traditional media is kind of not as much cool. And they kind of want to kind of um, make it part of them, right? Make podcasting part of what they're doing. Right. Um, and, and in some ways, you know, it depends on whether or not we want to be purists. <laughs> um, you know, and I think if you were to talk to Dave Weiner, who's the original creator of RSS and this whole medium, really, uh, he'll, he'll tell you the same conversation is he was trying to create an open, open medium and an open yep. platform. And there's been continual pressure, um, uh, to, to pull it back into proprietary platforms. And we're kind of seeing that generally across the 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 web and the internet right now you know look at facebook and and back in the early days it was america online right todd i mean um there's been this tug of war that's been going on around open and closed for many years in in the the online space and this is just a little bit of another an example of that yeah i think the um you know if i if i really think about it you know i i don't um i'm not against expansion of the of protocols, I'm not. A, I mean, you know, I'm not. A, if if uh, if someday they decide that a podcast needs to be syndicated through uh, an OPML feed, which is really kind of just a glorified RSS feed, or some yeah, sort of list. yeah, or some sort of new 
new whiz bang thing that's going to make the space better. I am, I'm not saying that we have to stay with RSS. I'm saying we, you know, I think we're all open to any type of, uh, you know, changes. But right now, there's nothing, you know, no one's changing anything. And nothing well, is. Well, then there's nothing on the table. No. The, I mean, nobody's proposing anything that will be a replacement for what um, the open syndication strategy is in, in the podcasting space right now. And I don't think that there's a lot of support for going proprietary, you know. Um, I, there's no advantage to it right now. I mean, it, 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 if there was an advantage to going, going to a proprietary distribution um, platform, um, Apple would probably be the closest, uh, but the problem is it's based on open standards. So um, it's kind of hard to say that Apple is a proprietary platform in some ways. Um, in some ways they are, in some ways they're not. So I think that this hybrid model, I think, is where we will where we will remain. Um, I don't, you know, Todd, do you see a time in the future? I mean, maybe as you think about maybe voice-activated systems like um, – um, uh, like Alexa and Siri and things like that, when consumption starts to move probably more based on discovery and management through voice control, uh, maybe we'll see a, you know, a little bit more of a proprietary platform domination in this space. Um, but I, I believe it's still going to be based on RSS, that that's how those systems are going to get that content. Well, if you, if you look at... Um, uh, you look at, like you said, look at Alexa from, or not Alexa, but look at uh, the Echo or the Dot from Amazon. It's all the same thing. But it, yeah. You know, so it's, sure, it's voice activated to listen to the show, but that underlying stuff is still being fed by RSS. RSS, exactly. And, right. and what is there that's better to do that? Right. Nothing. Now, if, if Audible makes a channel for, um, or builds a <clears throat> something for, that platform um, to be able to put their media over there where you can get access to it. But I think right now the only place that you can get the audible content is on audible.com. Audible yeah. And that's, that's behind DRM and uh, a paywall. Yeah. That's not podcasting. I'm sorry. No, no, it's not. <laughs> you know, so, but go ahead. I mean, I think it, it I, I think it just depends. You know, I think that there's also been a tug of war, <clears throat> over the years around what the term podcast really means. I know people have used the term to, to describe um, live podcasting. There's some that, that will say what we do, Todd, here is live podcasting. But the truth of the matter is that that word doesn't make sense because <laughs> um, podcasting is not live. No. Um, but we're doing live yeah. to a micro miniature portion of the audience that normally gets this show too. Yeah, exactly. And we do a live show, right? We don't do a live podcast. So, and I think by using the term live show, we're actually being accurate with what we do. Yeah. Uh, we typically don't refer to spe a specific term to the distribution of this show when it's live. Um, there's no specific, I mean, other than, you know, we're live streaming. Yeah. Um, so it is a little bit of a unique, you know, analogy between the, the terms that are used here. Um, but this show is also a podcast too. Yep, yep. Um, so it's, you know, we're kind of a little bit of an exception. Most people don't do video in the podcasting space. Right. Um, but nonetheless, um, 
the term has meant something different to different people. Um, o- over the years, it's it's a little bit of a struggle that I've seen in the space since I started working in the space is that some people on the content side will look at podcasts as a kind of content. And then there's others that are more kind of um, business focused in the medium that are focused on the term podcast to, to refer to the specific distribution approach. Um, so I guess it depends on you know what where you are in the medium and how you look at the space. And because I mean, if you draw the the distinction between the term podcast as it relates as a comparison to radio, um, you know. You can look at it from distribution and or content. What, what's the difference between radio content and podcast content? There is a difference. Um, though I think a lot of people would like to think that you know, radio and podcasting are, are the same. I don't know. What do you think, Todd? Well, you know, I, it, it, um, it's kind of funny, but if a radio station is uh, putting their stuff out as a podcast, you know, they're – well, we're – I. We can't call ourselves radio, because yeah. radio is broadcast. Mm-hmm. As a, you know, terrestrial and over, over the air, tune into AM eight ninety. You know, um, mm-hmm. so I don't think it makes the flip the other way. If that yeah. was the point you were looking for, but mm-hmm. um, and by the way, in Facebook, sorry, the post is now public instead of just my friends. I don't know why it was the other way around. Uh, yeah, I. I it's just to me, it's 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 kind of funny that uh, um, that once again we have third parties that are rejoining the space or coming into the space and they're trying to redefine it. Um, it it should never, you know, it's it it is what it is. And those of us that are listening, or those of you that are podcasters listening, it's probably a little sick of it. But at the same time, I think it's important that we are able to make sure that uh, independent content creators are not feeling that they're, I want them to feel there's room in the space, understand where we came from. I want them to understand that we built this space, you know, independent content creators mm-hmm. built this space. Yep. The, you know, there was a number of groups that joined pretty quickly NPR and some of those other folks, but we, we were, you know, essentially the ones that, us as podcasters and many content creators build it. So when someone comes in to try to re- redefine the, the name, we have to be careful and often it's driven by financial decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and in some ways, uh, you know, in the long run that that's going to more and more come into this medium. I mean, as, right. as on demand, um, audio podcasting grows, mm-hmm. we, we are going to more and more challenge radio. Uh, it's just inevitable. And once, you know, I've been saying this for a while now, you know, I don't know what the date is when those growth and decline curves are going to cross between radio (laughs) and podcasting, but it's going to be in a, a really fascinating time. I don't know if it's two years, three years, four years out. Um, when, when the size of the audience for podcasting or on-demand medium um, matches the the broadcast radio side, but you know, you also mentioned I think on on Twitter this past week that, that there's going to be a a time when radio is going to realize that they they've made a mistake or you know didn't jump on board as quickly and they're going to panic. Right, <laughs> and I think too that the um, there's going to be a segment of 
individuals that are they 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 are going to be ahead of the curve you know they're they're going to have known um that this you know and they're going to be the early adopters i i think the comment i what it was the exact comment i said i said um oh what was it boy there's my my twitter feed has really been crazy i could tell you my comment was that it's going to be like the boiling frogs yeah 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 um we're we're that that water is going to get warm, warmer and warmer mm-hmm. around the radio folks. Um, and as the years go by, that pressure to, to do something different is going to grow. And right. It's not, it's not going to be like one day, you know, the opportunity is going to present itself. It's going to be something that, um, the pressure is going to grow on them. Yeah. To, and there's going to be to a go. pan, a panic is going to ensue. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's hard to say when that panic will ensue Yeah, and probably that panic will ensue in at different times, um, as people feel that water getting warmer. Um, yeah, oh, here's, and, here's what yeah. I said. The smart ones are getting on the train. Those scoffing the space will be behind the Powerball when panic sets in. <laughs> yeah. And, and not all those radio stations are going to make the conversion. No, no. Uh, and and I think that's that's the challenge. Um, I've been thinking about that a lot. Actually, I had had lunch know, with the radio guy here in the Seattle market that just uh, quit his job, and uh, and he's trying to build a business around on demand. You know, wow. so you know he's he's trying to do that. So you can you can feel that there's people on the radio uh, side that are looking to the future and jumping out of it to start plowing that direction, you know, right. like, like Todd, you and I did many years ago. I mean, I started doing this stuff on the radio myself and, and it was always just a pathway to, to create a show, uh, get audience. And, and I always wanted to do it online. So it was, you know, you know, and I think for me, you know, if I just kind of happened into this thing. I was, a, mm-hmm. I was sitting in a hotel room, right place, right time. You know, mm-hmm. if I'd probably missed them talking about it, I probably would have never ended up being a podcaster. So it's, um, it's just weird how, how life throws you these curveballs. You know, mm-hmm. the, um, you know, there was a comment on comment thread on Facebook. Someone was, uh, asking to take advertising or not take advertising. And it, it turned into a, um, surprisingly, a large number of individuals saying, I hate advertising in podcasts and you shouldn't do it. And you should monetize your show through the business relationships you make on your show. And, and I, and while I don't disagree, that's, that's a great yeah. strategy to implement. Yeah. Um, but it was, uh, I was a little surprised because a few people that I, uh, know in the space, they've been in the space a while, saying, well, you, you know, don't start advertising in your show till you hit fifteen to twenty thousand listeners per episode. And I, I kind of chuckled a little bit because I thought, well, they just eliminated ninety five percent of the podcasting space by saying that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, to, you, if you have to, if you have to have fifteen thousand listeners on your show to uh, start advertising, uh, it's there's going to be a pile of companies that are going to go out of business in in the in the preceding weeks because there's just uh, uh, the bulk, the high bulk of shows are much smaller. So, um, and I understand their thought process there. Is it worth your while? But, you know, what we've been seeing, and I know I switched topics on us here, so I apologize, but okay. the 
what we've been able to do is, especially on some niche advertising deals, um, I've been able to, to, you know, the media buyers say, oh, I want this particular show. And I'm like, well, you know, the audience, let's say, for example, is like 1,300 listeners per episode. And I said, we can't go in there and offer them a $25 CPM because they're just going to say, that's it. That's all. 25 bucks a show. And, you know, I'm not going to do that. So yeah. what I've been able to get the media buyers to do is to set some minimums, a hundred, yeah. $150, $200 minimum for a smaller show that's, you know, that advertiser really wants to get in with the understanding that they're not going to get the you know if you do the math backwards and they're expecting to uh, get a new customer uh, for every twenty dollars that they spend um you know we have to also make them realize that okay you want in this show bad enough you want exposure to that audience but you know don't hold me accountable when you know we don't get uh, 10 set signups uh we, we might but don't hold me accountable when we do and uh I've actually, for the first time in a while, had some media buyers. Okay, I mean they didn't even blink, so um, that's a good sign. Yeah. Well, Todd is. I mean, I was thinking about this the other day. Do you think on smaller shows it actually makes more sense to do do CPA deals with them versus the CPM deals? Mm-hmm. Just because there, there's probably a greater likelihood that they they're going to make more money. Uh, no. And here's why. Unless you want to do, okay, the only way we found CPAs work, this is, this is really a weird dynamic. And, I, and if someone can figure out why some, one thing works and another doesn't, uh, please let me know. I, but there has to be something psychological going on because on CPM deals, when I, when I have shows that are essentially doing the same copy as they would have done on a CPA deal, the performance is always much, much higher. I don't seem to get as big of a bounce when we do pure, and I hate doing pure CPA for that fact because, well, I think what it is the podcaster thinks, oh, there's no risk to the advertiser. I'm Maybe I'll get some money out of this. Maybe they just don't put their heart into it as if they knew they're getting written a check. So if 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 you can get a content creator to do as good a job on a CPA deal as they would on a CPM, yeah, I think you're right, Rob. I think they would be better off to do CPA. A good way to test this is for a show to go to Commission Junction, sign up for an account, um, find some products or companies that you're excited about um, that you can get behind and, you know, sign up for a, you know, a commission junction deal with them. And then what you need to do then is treat that. And of course, you have to be careful because some commission junction deals don't allow, they just want banners only. So you have to be careful, but, you know, treat that as if that was your actual paying sponsor and see what happens. Um, and you, you're going to have to do that for a 90-day run to see how well the test goes. But but you have to treat it as, as if they were paying you, you know, whatever your rate is for your show at that time. I think that's the a good way to test it. But 
I don't know. You know I, some, I mean, some of some of the the advertisers that normally do CPM deals do also do CPA deals. Yeah. Um, so you can you can actually look like that you're you're doing a CPM right uh, advertiser, but you're actually doing a CPA. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think it's a matter of finding, you know, an, a CPA advertiser. Uh, and what CPA is, if you don't know, is cost per acquisition. So yeah. it's more of a pay for performance model right. than it is a pay per audience yep. model. You get a reward um, for every time someone buys something. Yeah, exactly. So if you have great targeting in your show, uh, your audience matches up really well with that advertiser. Uh, sometimes you can make, you know, eight or nine dollars per customer um, purchase. Right. Uh, or sign up or wh- whatever. And if you think about it, let's say your show has a thousand listeners, right? If you did a CPM deal, just like Todd was saying, you'd make 25 bucks. Yeah. If, if you could only get a but, CPM and versus flat. Yep. Yeah, exactly. But if you did a CPA deal and you made $9 per customer and you got, let's say 10 customers. Right. You, you basically made nine, you know, 90, like yeah, effective, $90 effective CPM of 90. Yep. Yeah versus 25 right so uh you know that's the opportunity there and i think it really gets back to um really thinking about who your audience is and knowing who your audience is and then going after those cpa advertisers um that that really match with that and and i think you can really convert uh, and make a little bit more money you're not going to get rich doing this but you're you're going to right. at least pay pay for your hosting and pay for some of your time one of the chat rooms said um, affiliate links. Affiliate links kind of help get you started. That's true, you know. Yeah, it can. It can, and 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 really, a, a commission junction is affiliate an affiliate yeah. deal. Yep. So, but I think what you have to really. I did some test um, because you know my show. I've got a, a fantastic audience. Um, I did some tests about um, a year, year and a half ago, and I did some tracking. I basically um, uh, ran an ad a little bit later in my program, not too much, maybe in the, I do an hour and 10 minutes, maybe I did it at about the 30-minute mark where the first ad comes in at uh, under 10 minutes. And the um, it was purely a um, an affiliate deal. I'd went over and signed up for one or I'd gotten introduced to a company or some function. And what I found is that, um, that deal wasn't unique. So uh, let's just use a company. Let's just, let's just say like, um, I was traveling a lot. So let's say I put Hilton up there as a, um, an, a commission junction affiliate link. And I, you know, I'm encouraging people to, on the show when they travel to use Hilton and to use my, uh, click through link. And I don't think that was the example, but mm-hmm. you know, that, um, that Hilton deal, uh, via commission junction did not offer any discounts. It didn't offer any, um, and maybe it was a you know a, a pay for two get for one or maybe there was something like that, but for the most part it was just basically click on me to go you know buy your hotel room, and I think really what makes a big difference on the affiliate marketing is when you can secure something unique, 
And matter mm-hmm. of fact, if an advertiser ever comes to us and says, uh, we want to do an affiliate deal, uh, the first thing I do is, you know, after I've talked to the vendor and gotten the details on the deal, I go over to Commission Junction and I look for that vendor there and I mm-hmm. find out what they're offering. And if I can find deals better than what they are offering to our podcasters, we decline to do the deal unless they can come up with something better. Better, better, yeah. Or a higher commission or whatever, right? Right. And more yep. more than not, a better deal for the listener because in the yeah, end, mm-hmm. in the end, you have to have some sort of strong mm, offer. You have to have a yeah. strong offer. Yeah. 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 And, and that helps. Um, or the higher commission rate. Yep. But, or both. Yeah. You probably really need to have both in order to really make it work. And, and, be, and because I'm working on a commission platform where, you know, we take a percentage of the ad deal. If the commission junction deal is the same amount of money that, you know, if it's it's an even Steven deal, it doesn't make any sense for me to do it because I'm taking 30. They can go over to commission junction, sign up, get 100% of the reward money where you're doing the deal with me is a 70, 30 split. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So, um, you know, for us, that's another part of the, ch- of the challenge being the, uh, you know, the, the, the company that's presenting the deal to the podcasters. We have to find, you know, a deal that's beneficial to both of us. And, um, you know, do you try and, uh, target that advertiser to the podcaster for the podcaster or do you still do you throw it out to everybody and let the podcaster kind of filter on the affiliate deals which, we just we yeah we it because it most of the times the company doesn't care and that might be another part of the reason for for as lower success rates is that just any show can get on the affiliate deal but i again i i'm i'm i i can't tell you when the last time i did an affiliate deal I've done some hybrids, uh, hybrid deals I like a lot is whereas the content creators guaranteed a base and then they get a little bit lower reward um, than yeah. they normally would. And that, I think that's a good model, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that base. I like that mm-hmm. deal the best when yeah. it comes to any type of affiliate deal. I hadn't thought about that before. That, that, that actually makes a lot more sense to me. Yeah, and you know, I, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this or not, but truth be known, that's what I my deal with GoDaddy is that I get mm-hmm. a base guaranteed base, and then based on performance, I get paid a uh, x amount of dollars per certain type of an account. Yeah. So, um, you know, you know, salespeople have had those kind of mm-hmm. kind of deals before. Yeah. You know, I mean, you have an incentive to to do a really good job with your sales, you yeah. know, approach and presentation, but you have like this guarantee that you're going to be happy, you know, and, and to a lot of companies that have had sales representatives, that's been important. I mean, you don't want to necessarily starve your salespeople mm-hmm. um, because then they can get disgruntled and move on. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's an interesting model for podcasting. I, I don't think that's pretty wide. That's very widespread, though. No, but I haven't heard a lot of examples of that. No, it's you know it's typically CPM flat rate, and then again, if it the only time really to be honest with you, Rob, the only time I do that type of a base plus bonus is when 
um, the vendor's really good and it would, it makes sense and they don't, then they're scared to do a full. And I just mm-hmm. basically, based on my experience, I tell them, Hey, you don't have another, you've got a, a competing deal out there. Um, I need to have a, a little more bread on the table to go to the content creator. So, um, you know, that's yeah. when that's been employed. Um, I don't want to toot our own horn here, but we did, uh, I don't know if you saw our announcement earlier in the week. Um, but we've had to, we've had to make a fundamental change to our business for working with podcasters and advertising. And, uh, what's the shift that you've made shift is, uh, I, I need uh, a higher commitment level. Not, I don't want someone to basically sign a contract saying that you're exclusive to us, but we're basically setting in timelines for, for replies, um, what we're going to do, what they're going to do, what how they're going to inform us if they don't have inventory, uh, and essentially the here's the gist of the whole thing is the first email I send them uh, with the deal. When they reply, I want ninety five percent commitment level um, that they're in or they're out because what I've had been happening a lot and what's forced this shift was I was getting a commitment level back from the content creator. Uh, go through the, you know how it is, going through the deal with the with the media buyer, and you know, that could be a two weeks or a month, and uh, getting a signed contract, and then coming back and launching the campaign, and the content creators say, oh, I changed my mind. Um, <laughs> that is uh, painful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we're basically uh, also putting some, you know, if, if you say yes and then you say no later and it's not because of a death in the family or the deal changed so much that you don't like the terms, um, mm-hmm. you could end up being removed as a priority partner. Um, I just, it's, and then we're going to change the, our, our, our split. Those that do um, sign up as a priority partner where they are going to adhere to our, um, what we're going to do and what they're going to do guidelines. Um, they'll still be on 70-30. Those that do not become a priority partner, uh, which I know are end up going to be people that are going to be harder to work with uh, from a timeline and more risk on my part, we're going to reduce the revenue split to 50-50 with those folks. And I, you know, I really hate doing that, but um, I can't be doing putting 30 shows on a deal and... Um, and then seven shows change their mind for no reason. Mid mid process, right? mid process, or actually sign contract, then saying, yeah. "Oh, we're not going to participate." Uh, hmm. Yeah, and it's you know, and it's you know, it makes sense if I you know if I come to you, Rob, and I say, "Got a deal," and um, you know, here it is. It's just how much you're going to get paid. This is what the frequency rate is going to be. We're going to have banner on your website is optional. We're going to have, you know, this basic stuff that we're going to tell you in the email shares much information. You should be able to make a decision from that. And when we do, we want the inventory locked up, mm-hmm. you know, at the same right, you know, when we're working deals with media buyers, sometimes they say, forget it. And I, you know, so I'll have a timeline responsibility of going back to the podcaster and saying, Hey, the vendor said, we're not going to proceed and unlock that inventory or if they get an offer and we're not changing things that we're, we're still allowing them to go out and do their own deals on their own. Cause we, 
that's our philosophy of our company. But if they get a deal that's come in to them, if someone's called them up and say, I want to advertise on your show, and you're like, oh, man, Todd's got my inventory locked up for this time period. We just want them to call or email and say, hey, can I have my inventory back? <laughs> it's a lot easier for me to say, yeah, I can give you the inventory back and go to the media buyer and say, hey, you guys have uh, taken too long. <laughs> that inventory is gone, mm-hmm. you know, versus the content creator just start a deal. And then when I come back, say, okay, we're ready to launch that. Hey, my, I, I sold that inventory. It's gone. (laughs) So it's, it's just basically trying to get a little bit, make, make them understand or, or to have a higher commitment level so that we don't, uh, you know, cause I have to go back to meeting buyer, say, Hey, seven shows said no. And they're like, why, you know, they don't know why. Um, and then go to explain that, that, and then the next thing, you know, you've got a media buyer saying, don't work with them because they go through the deal and then half, you know, half or 20% of their shows don't participate. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, that doesn't send the right signal. To no, yeah. no. And, and those podcasters are, are, are hurting the space. Mm-hmm. Those of you on YouTube, is the video okay? It's saying it might be buffering a little bit. Just let me know if uh, we're on uh, newmediashow.com. For, oh, it's back to normal. Newmediashow.com forward slash live. Yeah, so it's maybe my bandwidth here is sucking today. So, Todd, I wanted to talk about on the show today a little bit about dynamic insertion. Okay. Um, it seems to be an issue that's, or I don't know if it's an issue, just, just a, a segment of the podcasting advertising business, mm-hmm. um, that, uh, seems to be of growing importance to, to many. Um, you know, I wanted to have a guest on, um, today that uh, was involved in that side. Sure. Um, I wasn't able to get it secured and, and, but I'll keep trying, but, yeah. um, um, just from what you're seeing out there, how, how important to, to the space is dynamic insertion from the standpoint of, as you look about where the industry is today and where it's, where it's going and, and, um, cause I get a sense out there just to share a little bit of my, my view of it is that it, it it's almost like a lot of the bigger companies and the bigger shows want to have that capability in their toolkit. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but very few people are actually using it. Um, mm-hmm. what's your thought on that? I think you hit the nail on the head. And here's the reason why these companies want to use insertion. It allows them to scale faster, and it's not as much work to do. Well, it's ad- also able. They're thinking that it's also able to monetize archives content too. Well, good luck with that. Can I mean, maybe maybe they maybe they're starting to figure out that uh, the archive content is isn't as big of a um, opportunity. <laughs> yeah, maybe there's not as much inventory there that they thought there was there. I know how much archived inventory is available and let me just put it this way. The money is in the, is in the new content. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. No, I think that's always been the case. And yeah. then also you've got the, you know, a similar scenario with archived content around premium too. Yeah. So, I mean, there's podcasters out there that are making their, you know, like their first or their, their newer shows available mm-hmm. for free and have those ad supported, And then all the archives are monetized based on a premium paid model. And I've just kind of wondered on that model too. I, I, you know, I know that some of the really big podcasters are making money doing that, 
um, and growing amounts of money, but it's kind of a slow, slow grow based on, you know, what I'm hearing. It's, but it's, um, it's really content re- uh, relevant mm-hmm. being that. Well, it has to be evergreen content right, for it to work, right? right? It has to be. And again, and we've talked about this many times on the show, the ancillary data shows that less than 10% of actual podcast content is actually truly evergreen. People say again and again, I've said this a thousand times, people say their content's evergreen all the time, but, uh, <laughs> because they're creating ever, they're truly made creating evergreen content, but, uh, um, yeah. 90% of shows, we get 90% of their downloads within the first 96 hours of the show being online. Um, yeah. so that other 10, now the, and I've said this too, there are that 10%, that content's hugely valuable. Yeah. And if you look at, I mean, to kind of go, go back to the, the, the dynamic insertion, um, conversation here a little bit, it, I get a sense that, uh, a lot of the business development deals and a lot of the acquisitions and a lot of the, the, the talk amongst the industry, um, the, the larger players in the space, kind of the startups that, that has been kind of like the core of a lot of the the deals that have been going on uh, is that dynamic insertion technology. And it's, but the thing is, Rob, it's easy. Yeah. It's simple to build. Well, it also dovetails to programmatic too, right? So right. you, you know, we're kind of on this pathway with quite a few companies in the space where we're trying to duplicate um, streaming radio. <laughs> um, you know, that's part of what's happening here. Right. Um, and dynamic insertion, has been involved, I mean, not so much dynamic insertion into downloadable content, but dynamic insertion into streams has been around for a decade. So, you know, it's, it's something that's, that's part of the audio landscape that's been uh, going on for a long time. Here's Um, my prediction. Those companies that are trying to do programmatic, they best not be bet. Bet they better not be banking the the life longevity of their company on that strategy, and this, yeah. for right now at least. You know, I I I just uh, as a content creator, and you're putting on my podcaster hat. <laughs> you know, I, and I you know let's let's just take this show. Um, someone comes to us and says, "Hey, Todd and Rob." Uh, we can automate the advertising in this podcast and uh, we'll put a pre-roll on. We'll put, we'll put a mid-roll on in, in your show. We'll put two ads in it. And we're saying, oh, that sounds good every episode. That sounds fantastic. Now, let's, uh, let's talk about what you're going to get paid on programmatic. It's going to be like 3 $4 net to us per CPM per thousand. But Todd, why does it have to be that way? Why why does programmatic have to be that's such what they're low, buying? That's because the low me- CPM though. The Todd. media buyers are buying it in streaming at that rate. And you're going to go into you know, someone that's buying Pandora at six and tell well, them you have to. I mean, I mean, it doesn't. I don't know that it has to go that way. I mean, I uh, I, I understand. I, I understand yeah. that, Rob. But yeah. I, you know, I okay. So I, I've just recently talked to. Matter of fact, I was on a conference call to be real careful here with a client of ours and the client had us talking to their media buyer 
And yeah. and that media buyer was sharing with me how they got ripped. I mean, ripped upside down one another during a meeting with a potential advertiser. And they're saying, you, you are in, and they said, this is what they said to them. You are insane if you think I'm going to pay 20 or $25 CPM for programmatic advertising going into your shows as a pre-roll. But what if that <clears throat> pre-roll is a host read? On programmatic where the media buyer is coming in and can just buy it on demand. That's what programmatic is. No, I understand. But, but, but they're actually having to upload a, a kind of like an audio file, right? But so you have to be able to play something in the podcast too, right? If you're doing programmatic. True programmatic. And, well, and that's not real programmatic. Then that's a hybrid. So well, because, because most uh, brand advertisers create their own spots, right? right? And, and in radio, they basically, um, they, that's what they're basically inserting yep. is, is their spots, whether and, they're 15 second or 30 second. And that's or all minute. been bought in a platform automatically. They haven't had to talk, talk to a human. Yep. They just put their credit card in and rock and roll. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Now, the model that you've talked about is what some others are implementing, but there should be a higher demand for CPM, but it'll never be an automated deal to do that. You're still going to do the face-to-face -face with the media buyer. You're going to go there. You're going to pitch it. There's no, It may be programmatically inserted automatically, but you're still going to need to do that Don't. deal by hand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If someone figures out how to do that deal at 20 without ever talking to someone, Sign me up. They can take every last bit of our entire inventory. They have it all. I guess my question is, <laughs> um, I mean, is that just a generational issue? I mean, I know I, I saw it a lot at Podcast One, too, when I was working there. Um, this question, you know, I heard a lot of people say that, oh, yeah, it's never going to be done online. It's always going to be done based on personal relationships and all this kind of stuff. But <clears throat> I don't know that that's entirely true. You know, I mean, I, I think to get the higher CPMs, you're going to have to have a, a pitch just because yeah. they can buy everything else cheap. Yeah. Yeah. They can buy it real cheap. Well, and then I guess there's another side to it too, which is, you know, how does that, um, that host read or that audio, um, advertisement get produced, right? That's yeah. the other part, part of this question. Um, Per, well, programmatic presents some challenges in that. Well, it, you know, it, it can be done. Let's be honest. Uh, you know, if someone told me, uh, um, make your copy and upload it, I could do that. I can do a host endorse ad. And, you know, and sadly, if they want it to be 60 seconds, it's probably not going to be 60 seconds. It's going to be whatever the length is. It could be a minute, minute and a half. Two right? minutes, three minutes. Yeah. You know, I've, yeah. I've went long on my, you know, but, you know, my advertisers uh, feed my family and keep my lights on too. So I take care of my advertiser. Mm -hmm. um, but, you only, but you only have one, one advertiser. So right. there's other shows that I've worked on that have three or four advertisers. Well, that might get into the point of the show being annoying unless it's three yeah. hours long. But that's right. Yeah. So, you know, it, it can be done, but you, you know, then you have to <clears throat> plan 
for your show production or where you're going to drop that. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's kind of awkward. You're, you know, all right, folks, we're, uh, we're going to take a break and go for this sponsor message. You know, you, do you introduce it that way? I wouldn't in my show. In my show, I train, uh, I, I transgress or naturally well, transition. Them transition, easily. yeah, yeah, smoothly, not, smoothly, yeah, not not abruptly because it, it, I mean the truth is that's like putting up a stop sign. Stop yep. listening. Yeah. <laughs> Fast so forward. You, so you're going to have to be able to become good at transitioning. You know, and, and, you know, probably we're going to all have to train ourselves to be able to to transition smoothly. Well, so that, Yeah, and how do you do that, right? Uh, you almost have to have that copy there in front of you so that y- you remember the words that you actually said. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I've heard, heard it done a, a million different ways. You yeah. know, I've heard it done where people just, they'll... You know, and it gets back to the dynamic insertion question too. Is that if you're if you're doing dynamic insertion of host reads, how do you transition those pre-produced host reads in your show between live content and dynamic insertion? My contention has been: you basically, as a host, you complete your thought and stop talking. Stop talking, and but and then start and then, talking, and then the dynamic insertion comes in, starts talking again. And it, it, it's it's a little bit more of a smooth transition between those two. There's other shows that I've heard that 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 will either um, say at the end of their thought that they'll say, "Well, up, up next we have a our sponsor message. You know, support this sponsor, and then that host endorsement will they'll happen start. at that point." But to me, that's like a stop sign, right? Yeah. You don't I, necessarily want that. I think the advertiser, if you're clear about your advertising message when you start your read, yeah. They will know that this is right, a, right. A, a host endorsement, right? You don't have to put up a stop sign that says, well, we're going to take a break now yep. do, 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 and start doing it. Because, you know, as, as was written in the Wall Street Journal this past <laughs> week or last week, we have a problem with ad skipping in podcasting. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I, I have absolutely – I. I see millions of downloads and I know exactly what's happening during those downloads. Yeah. It, we do not have an ad skipping problem in the podcast. No, I mean, think about how people are listening to this content. They're, they're walking, they're <laughs> running, they're on a train. They're not looking at their screen. No. Their finger ready to no. push the, the skip button. No. No, they're not. Not at all. Some people may skip a whole first 15 minutes of a show like they do on mine when I'm jibber jabbering too much. They could do uh-huh. that. You know, I don't but, know, Todd, if that's happening. <laughs> I wouldn't I, be happening to your show. People uh, connect with you at that yeah. personal level. You know, and, and I've said it many times, Rob. There's a reason why Raw Voice Blueberry has not built an insertion system. There's a yeah. reason that we haven't. And, um, you know, am I w- ruling out that we won't? No. I, you know, I will build one at some point. But when we do, it's going to be, you know, you know, Todd's way of building it and how it will work. And, I, and am I perfect all the time? No, we've thrown plenty of stuff up against the wall that's went splat and fell off. You know, so it's am I going to get it right the first go? Who knows? But like I said earlier, Todd, there there's a lot of business development activity happening around program um, companies that have that technology right now. Well, that's great. You know, I so it's like you know, is it early or is it just wrong is it 
It's not wrong. Just, it's not right. Good luck to them. <laughs> it's 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 what it is. I mean, a lot of the big players in the space want it in their toolkit, right? Yeah, that's but fine. Will they ever use it? Is the question, and that's the question I keep asking. Is well, that they'll use it? And believe me, when the when the brand advertisers come and they bring their own ads, that's when it's going to get used. You know, when you when you are when you are delivered a spot, but then. You but know, is it going to work? Is it going to convert right? uh, versus the hostery? Right? It's going. It's going to convert just like it does on TV and radio, and that's why the cost is going to come down. It's going to come down for sure. Yeah. yeah. So I think we've got. You know, this is a dilemma that the industry needs to really get their hands around. I mean, it's I, it's not. I think the average guy, the average podcaster, they're not going to run this at all. You know, mm-hmm. the the show that's less than 10,000 downloads per episode they're they're not and then when you get above that maybe but still it's this this insertion to be able to do brain advertising where you're dropping the Ford ad pre-roll about their yep. summer special or whatever it is or their new models coming out um, that will that'll get you know the, the podcasters gonna get eh, net three or four bucks out of that CPM you know, and, and if they're doing a hundred thousand listens per episode, you know that's you know that's a that's a nice little check. Yeah. Well, Todd, now you can see why a lot of uh, a lot of people want high numbers in the podcasting space. Right. 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 Yeah. Oh, too bad. <laughs> <laughs> we all you know okay, so we all want big numbers. Hey, we want I want a hundred thousand people listen to this show. Will that many listen ever listen? Never. No, yeah, we know I would never we don't expect that either. No, yeah. we know the audience size, but yeah. uh, do a regular podcaster want a hundred thousand? Absolutely, they want a hundred thousand listeners per episode. They, that's a that's a podcaster's wet dream, right? That's a hey, yeah, you get a you get a hundred thousand <laughs> listeners per episode. That is like that's quit your day job type numbers. You know, that's uh that's a live a different lifestyle numbers, and yeah. um, but. It's, it's harder and harder to achieve that. Right. So, and even for the uh, established people, they're doing all the cross promotion and all that. It's, it's very, very difficult. So, um, again, all these companies that want to do this insertion and uh, they have a very limited number of shows that they're all fighting for. And, uh, you know, at some point, we will get to a we will get to the we will get to a point in the podcasting space, and I frankly thought we'd already be there. Um, and the reason why I haven't built this is because we're not there. Is where we're basically going to say, "Hey, you haven't no advertising in your show. Um, we can do two spots an episode. Yep, you're only going to get three dollars net. Do you want it or not?" And uh, we may get to the point where we'll get couple thousand shows that will have never been able to get advertising no matter what that may say something's better than nothing do i really want is that an outlook i want to talk about no because i want everyone at high cpms and that's why so many times smaller shows want to monetize and they can but they actually need to set realistic expectations you know the, that golden deal that you, where the guy calls you and says, "Oh my God, I'm a fan. 
I love your show. This is my product. What's it going to cost to advertise in your show? And you go back, ah, 500 bucks an episode. And because the guy loves your show and he's got a business and he just wants to reach your audience, he's going to pay 500 bucks an episode. And, and it's not impossible. No. And those deals. I've, I've known that to happen. Those it's deals. with my own show. Sure. Those <laughs> deals, you, you want those deals to walk in every day, right? But yeah, in reality, yeah. that's, uh, those are rare, really rare. Well, and that's actually a really good kind of um, example of what can happen with a really niche. Show yeah, too. yeah. Ones that are focused on a on a particular area, like maybe cars or mm-hmm. something, or you know, um, areas that have big dollar transaction um, products. I knew a neurosurgeon that did a, and I I think I've told this story before. Did a neurosurgeon podcast. He had uh, $1,500, 1,500 neurosurgeons tuning into his show. And he was talking about stuff that would make most of us, you know, our eyes glaze over. But he was talking to that community. And he was getting um, quit your practice money and put a down payment on a yacht. Um, yeah, I would imagine. Okay, so... You know, the pharmaceuticals and the people that, uh, you know, they have dumb money. Um, dumb money being that they just write checks. Uh, That's because they have so much. Right. <laughs> and, you know, they, they, you know they, this guy was, uh, you know, his, his one-hour podcast was, you know, netting $20,000 an episode. So yeah. um, that is niche. <laughs> yeah, and... There's something to be said for that. You know, I mean, a lot of content producers out there just do these generic shows that really have, they try and cover a lot of different topics and, and that can work at scale, you know, just like radio has in the past. Yeah. Um, but oftentimes the shows that go niche that have a large number of people that are interested in that niche are the ones that typically do the best. Yeah. And, you know, that's, some of those niches are pretty much already locked up. So it's, it's difficult to come up with them now. I I don't think they're difficult. I think you have to be the right person. I think you have to be able to be that guy. You know, you have to have been, you know, if if you spent the last 20 years working as a, a bricklayer and you want to talk about new technology and bricklaying and that's that's what you should do you know yeah i yeah i talked to a guy here in seattle this was probably uh, six months ago or so who was doing a uh, a pool podcast because because he actually cleans pools for a living so <laughs> so you know and how many how many different topics can you talk about is you know it's pool cleaning can you go two years on is there two years worth of content talking about cleaning pools i you know that's a good question um but that's that's where it gets tough right yeah so or was he then selling you know instructional videos on to you know potential people that want to get in the pool cleaning business you know i know that's big in many cities um, there's always, a, you know, a handful of pool guys in towns. Well, I mean, he was talking about on, on his show, you know, 
um, you know, chemicals with your pool, you know, different climates, uh, how different climates affect your, your pool. And so in, in some ways, uh, I think he was catering to other pool cleaning people. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Um, in, in that, as well as people that have, have pools themselves. And if that guy had a thousand or 2000 pool cleaners listening to his show, that guy could quit the cool pool cleaning business and just because he'd be able to go to all those companies that provide those products and services and actually use them and come back and give a report and say, yes, I've been using this guy's, this company's products. I love it. Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. That, that's a, that's not a $25 CPM deal. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's a flat rate. Uh, all right. Uh, let's, let's talk like 10, 15, $20 per listener deal. You know, so what's Todd, it worth to you? you? Know, this is a very niche show. How come we're not making the big bucks? <laughs> uh, it's, I'm just kidding. Um, well, in, in a sense, Rob, you you know, we talk. I talk about Blueberry. You talk about Spreaker. In we, some ways, uh, it's, yeah. And when people probably will migrate and look over at our services because of that. So, in a sense, there's tangible tangible benefits. Sure. And we also but, might piss people off and drive us away from us too. You know, that, that might be a case as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think we, we don't really talk that much about our companies really. I mean, I think we do off and on. I know I don't specifically try and come on this show to talk about, you know, what's happening at Spreaker. Right. So I've never done that really with any of the podcasts that I do, um, that are kind of outside of the company that I work yeah. for. Um, just because I, you know, it's 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 about the content. It's not about you know me trying right, to right. promote what I'm doing. Um, oftentimes, I I get you know invited, and I'm sure you do too, to go on other people's podcasts and talk about Spreaker or whatever. And and in some ways that's fine, but in some ways I also, um, you know, that causes me to pause a little bit because you know the reason that I go on other shows is really to help. Yep. Um, share knowledge with about podcasting and not so much just promote the company I work for. Because um, that's not really of great value to to listeners. Where I want people to go to find about my companies, go to my p- company's podcast. And we're going to, you know, and, and even, even yep. the podcasts we do over there, um, we have guests on that use competing services. And, yep. we're, we, you know, we talk about stuff happening in the space and, we don't necessarily, um, you know, like a big topic, like we just talked about a little while ago about this priority partner thing. Yeah. I went on and talked with McKenzie about that for about 30 minutes, got deep down in the weeds on it, but yep. a week to week show with her when she's doing that, she's not, she may mention something that we've got going on and point to that, but it's not the focus. It's not a sales channel for us. It's a, it's, it's an information channel. Yeah. And it, and you're also really clear. It's the same with my Speaker Live show. Um, you're really clear that this is an official podcast right, from right. Speaker, right? Yeah. But but if you look at the content that I produced at the podcast movement event for Speaker Live, purely interviews, uh, I didn't talk about Speaker at all. Yeah. So you know it it goes both ways with mm-hmm. me. If there's you know at some point during the program, you know we have a new product that's coming out or we have a big update or something I'll mention it on the show and talk just core about the the features of it and that's one of the advantages of having a show like that is to be yeah. able to share more detailed information about the platform and what's happening but the core of the show is really trying to share ideas and tips to help podcasters 
um, make their shows better. So that's the focus of it. And I know that's kind of kind of what we're trying to do here um, is just to share our kind of experience and our knowledge of so many years in this medium uh, and what we see in the space today and really be frank about it because I don't believe that there's a lot of people really doing what we're doing and talking frankly about what's happening in the space and and really kind of kind of exposing ourselves um, and and taking a risk here and talking about topics that may be controversial and maybe challenge people in this space. Um, I don't know. Do you agree with that? And do you see the any backlash from that? Or I mean, I hear a lot of people praising us for well, being so frank and open about what's I, happening in this medium. I don't get any negative feedback, um, but you know, sometimes I don't get as many calls from people as I used to. So, <laughs> how would you know that? Though? <laughs> you know, but it, at the same time, I feel sometimes I feel like I'm a broken record. Sometimes I feel like I'm saying the same damn thing again and again. Oh yeah, I've I'm the same. You know, it's the same. Th- it, you know, I've seen your your state of podcasting presentations that you've done for years and years and years now, and and you know your your percentage breakdowns of you know how many people have a RSS feed on their website and all this stuff and. It seems to be the same percentages. <laughs> it changes a little bit. And, and sometimes it changes for the better. Sometimes it changes for the worse. Yeah. So, you know, I just, uh, you know, I think you and I are both big fans of the space. We're trying to be protectors of it. I'm, you know, I'm. Yeah. And it goes back again to the, um, to the commentary that, and I hate to but call them out like this, but the suits have arrived and uh, the suits don't it's, do podcasts. Yeah, there's good and bad with that. Right? Yeah, yeah. And what we're trying to do is keep everybody kind of level-headed and 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 really understanding the medium because a lot of those, like you say, a lot of those suits don't really come from this medium. Um, there, and that can be good, right? Maybe some new ideas. Yeah. But that needs to be filtered against what the reality is, yeah, and not. And I don't know. I mean. Some of the ideas are, you know, maybe they'll maybe they'll be true. I don't know. You know, like the 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 name change is the term podcast going to be important 10 years from now? I don't know. I think so. I I but you know, one thing I also consider Rob, I consider us as consider us to be um call a spade a spade when we see it and 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 mm-hmm. damn the consequences and protect the space and I, yeah. I you know and we're not going to be able to keep working this space forever I mean there's going to have to be somebody else that comes in right. and fills our 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 void we're not you know youngsters anymore mm-hmm. so you know who's going to hold the mantle of this medium in the long run you know I think that there's some there's people that are that are out there that are younger that are that I, I think see the world the same way, you know, or similar to what we see. But is that going to be a generational thing where we're going to see? I mean, what's the shifts that you see with the younger podcasters that are coming up that are strongly advocates for for? for I don't this think medium? they. I don't think they care. I think they just want to create great content and get it out there. I don't see. Uh, it, it, maybe I'm missing. And if someone's knows someone else that's a strong advocate in the space that's uh, out there beating the, the bandwagon, please let me know. And Rob, if you know someone, please call them out on the show because, um, frankly, we we need some younger champions and uh, 
I don't necessarily know if they're out there yet. You know, and, and also another thing too is, as uh, as you and I get a little grayer, and there's a hell of a lot more gray in my hair now than when I started this thing 12 years ago. Started podcasting 12 years ago, is that um, I'd also don't want to be that old dog. You know, we we you and I both have to be making sure we're keeping our eyeballs open too to to changes and uh you know i i question myself all the time whether or not you know a a statement that i have made is still holds true yeah um it was tough for me to change this thing that raw voice on this advertising stuff because to be honest with you because we just had such a open relationship with content creators that we really didn't have to have like this kind of like agreement thing. It just kind of goes against me. But also at the same time, I understood that space was changing and we had to change or yeah. we, we were at high risk of alienating media buyers. So, um, so I think we, you and I both have to make sure that, and I think you're doing a good job at that so far. Um, and, and adjusting in adjusting where we need to adjust, you know, and, and, and as trends change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I don't think any of us know, you know, what this space is going to look like four or five years from now. I, I mean, if, who if knows? It, it may not change very much at all. Well, um, if, if you'd asked me five years ago, I, I, we're we're not as far along as I thought we would be. I thought we'd I be. Agree. Oh, I thought we'd be much further along. Yeah. Much further along. You know, business is good. I'm not complaining. And for those of you that are customers out there for both Rob's and Ike's companies, thank you for spending money with us and allow us to keep doing what we're doing. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'd like to see a lot more outgoing than incoming. Yeah, I'd like to see a lot more going into podcasters' pockets. I mean, I'd like to see a hell of a lot more going into podcasters' pockets because I'll be frank. You know, I'm at 1,133 episodes with my Geek News Central podcast. If GoDaddy hadn't continued to be a sponsor for 11 years straight, I love doing the show, but I sure as heck couldn't have done everything that I've done. And there has to be, we have to find ways. And if it's not just advertising, we need to find, make sure our podcasters know that they need to, um, you know, have listener support, have, there's got to be ways that they can, some some people say I don't need no money. Uh, God bless you. <laughs> but there's some podcasters that need equipment money, dinner money, hosting money, car payment money, and I'd like to see every content creator that's so opted to be able to do so quickly. Well, Todd, I think that that leads me into thinking about another topic that I I was. Um, I'm hoping to talk about on the show and maybe we can expand on to it um, over the subsequent episodes a little bit um, is that are there alternatives to um, advertising um, that may be on the horizon in the future um, based on technology changing? Um, and I think sometimes on this show we kind of get, you know, we talk about big technology shifts and technology changes less about podcasting, but how kind of like the online world is evolving and changing. Uh, and maybe there's 
there's a new kind of advertising or revenue share opportunity out there that's coming or potentially coming in the future based on technology shifts. Um, I, I hope there is, you know, some sort of a, maybe a different type of relationship that's enabled through, um, uh, virtual reality and, and location based services, um, that can be matched up with, uh, audio programs that can maybe flip the, flip the paradigm of what advertising is, um, as it relates to audio programming, um, and some of the things that I'm thinking about is, is that maybe um, maybe audiences are are more enabled to to uh, input their product needs um, to a program, and a program kind of has this exchange of uh, value with the audience that maybe can be expanded upon um, that can create uh, value for the listener as well as the show. Uh, through monetization of some sort of an exchange of of interest and product services and 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 some sort of value exchange for their attention. Um, so I don't know. And have you done any thinking on that? Well, I, you know, it's funny you talk about the VR stuff. Um, I, I've got some notional stuff that I've been considering, but I don't have a show that would support what I've been thinking about. So mm -hmm. as an example, if I was doing a travel podcast or a informational podcast, um, educational, um, anything where you're demonstrating or can share while you're talking in a, in a more immersive way, um, I'd be uh, doubling down and buying VR gear. Um, yeah. And at least starting to learn the craft uh, so that as VR becomes more readily available. And I think, you know, you look at Scoble, he's, 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 you know, he's all in on, on virtual right now. And he's staked his family's financial um, future by going to 100% talking about virtual reality. And I think what will end up happening is that um, smart content creators will start to look and start to learn the craft so that as more VR comes on the market that they'll hone their skills so that, you know, uh, you look at uh, Chris Christensen. The guy's traveling all over the world. Yeah. He's doing, I mean, amazing stuff. He should have VR cameras. Yeah. And his strolls through Venice or through some obscure Italian vineyard or wherever he is getting taken to, Mm -hmm. to talk about you know it, at this point he should have a backpack with a vr camera sticking off the top of it and that is going to be huge um mm -hmm. and what he could do for that is listen to audio podcasts for free but get the virtual reality tour for 49.95 that you're you know prior to you going on vacation you mm -hmm. can figure out where the hell you're going to go look at you know pick some stuff to go see and not see yeah the, the VR world is and it's and is it is that it's still going to be a podcast well if it can be distributed in a media file it sure is <laughs> yeah and can there be a different type of relationship that a, a show has with an audience mm. um, than is 
you know, enabled today. I mean, where the audience uh, maybe has, I've been thinking about this for a couple of years now of, of, you know, you start thinking about affiliate programs, but why, why couldn't an audience member have, have, have as an affiliate relationship themselves right. and share that relationship with other listeners to a show. And then that show just becomes a conduit and a, and gets a commission for connecting yep. those, those audiences together and shares revenue with its audience and with the show. I, um, I'm doing those deals right now with Blueberry, with companies, where, where it could have been done with the, as a host. If a, if a listener came to me and said, Todd, man, I, I have got Premiere whatever. What can we do to, you know, make some sort of a quid pro pro relationship, right? And you get if you, every every listener that you send, a, but again, that's is that affiliate, or I think it's a hybrid model of of affiliate and 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 an, an audience member sharing with the the audience. Oh, their, um, their product based right. on their their attention to the show. So mm-hmm. what the show becomes is an aggregate of community and audience. The audience actually, you know, most people work for a company, yep. right? Most people um, have. They may be able to to enable an an affiliate type relationship um, that has a value to just that listening community, oh. and the show itself gets gets a commission off of that transaction. I think that's that's huge. I would be, and those are those are interesting deals to work, and uh, you know, you have to figure, you know, that's all. It's a lot of experimentation to make that make that happen. But you know, how do you then? How do you? Um, facilitate that well there was a discussion i have a um a slack channel um that uh, some of my audience members have access to um so I, at some point i'm probably going to open that up to the in, you know, entire community so if i can get the entire community and, and many podcasters do this have a ongoing chat room where the you know the super fans always hang out and talk with one another mm-hmm. um but if you've got that kind of base already, usually those shows are already well monetized. But maybe mm-hmm. that's something of the podcasters that are trying to figure out where, how to grow their audience. Maybe that's where they start. Because you know what it seems like to me is that you've enabled uh, a a a multiple motivation for an audience to join your show. Mm-hmm. Um, is it you know that person is gonna gonna share an offer? Oh. With the with the community and participate in the show to share that offer, um, the, the show itself benefits from um, those offers coming in yep. and being shared, and and the show uh, works with those contributions at some level uh, to promote them and based on the fact that they get a commission off of that. Um, I mean, in some ways, it's a hybrid model between programmatic, yeah, in some ways, and in in host endorse potentially depending on what that offer is and how powerful it is but it could also just be something that's shared to the community um that's outside of the show itself but just the sheer fact that the community exists um there could be a revenue share opportunity it could be small or it could be big if i have an employee that comes to me listen well it's it you know we're already selling podcasting services but let's just think if you're 
you know, if you if you are a business owner and you have an employee say, hey, I listen to this podcast and it's a great audience and they're all working together. Is there any kind of special deal I can put together as a company offer that's special to that community? Yep. Um, if if I'm the boss, I'm going to be like, yeah. What's you know if you if you're reaching these folks and you know what is the job of an employee and the employee's job is to uh, deliver three times four times um, you know revenue based on their salary. Um, mm-hmm. Any way we get there is good, right? Yep. <laughs> so sure. as a boss, I'm gonna say, yeah, put you know put let's put a deal together. Sure, you know, and uh, it makes a lot of sense. And why wouldn't a company do that to all their employees? Say, hey, if you want to talk to family and friends. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're going to give a extra, let's say 15% and, or, or whatever it may be, a little extra deal. It's multi-level uh, marketing talk. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I know. Multi-level marketing uh, it, <clears throat> and employed effectively with, uh, can work. It can really work. Right. Rules based. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And matter of fact. And matter of fact, if you're a podcaster and you have any type of multi-level marketing business um, and they allow you to talk about that publicly and, and share, um, if you're not, you should because you're, there's, you, know, you never know when um, a specific person is looking for a specific need. Because um, really, really, when you back up to the 30,000-foot view or the 60,000-foot view of podcasting, the core of it is word of mouth. Right. And that's the core of multi-level marketing is word of mouth. Yeah, I'm um, actively involved in at least uh, two or three multi-level marketing things. Well, my wife has got a um, – she's building a Metaluca. She does Metaluca. She doesn't actively go out and find sales folks. But every once in a while, someone says, oh, we we like Metaluca stuff too uh, – can we buy it? And we're like, why don't you buy it at wholesale? And we turn them on to that. And, um, it's a variety of other things that we've done, um, in the past. So it's not, you know, you're, it may not end up, it's going to take time. It's the marathon. It's not the sprint, but little things over time will add up, especially if they, you know, if your audience already trusts you, um, and you're not just coming in being some scummy salesperson. Yeah, uh, I think that you know it'll you'll do well. So in the last minute or two of the show here, um, what might that interaction look like, right, between an audience and a show? It feels like that somehow um, the technology would need to be enabled somehow for that person to have offers related to them that could be easily shared, right? Yeah. I mean, you don't want to have this kind of, you know, they got to build up, you know, fill out this huge form or something like that for every show that they want to connect with. It almost needs to be like something that exists with your, your presence online somehow. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to be enabled through somebody like a Facebook or Google or somebody like that ultimately, but it could be. I don't. Why is, you know, Facebook, why, why are they not? You know, why are they not capitalizing on that already? Because if I have a great experience with a product, where, you know, where am I most likely going to share that? I'm probably going to share that on Facebook. At the same time, that's the first place I go. If I've had a bad experience with a company, I go over there and, you know, double barrel shotgun them on Facebook. Um, so you would think that Facebook would want to, but what they really, they don't want, well, here's what they want to do, Rob. 
they don't want a quid pro pro where I, as a Facebook user, are going to be able to earn money um, by making a positive comment on Facebook. They're going to want to say, oh, Todd just said something positive about X, so we're going to put an ad to all his followers about that. And Facebook's going to profit. It'll be taken. We're never going to get um, a piece of that. Yeah. And maybe rightly so, because then Facebook turns into this just one big marketing platform. It already yeah, it's is not already. Yeah, <laughs> well, we we are the product over there, right? Yeah, yeah. And we don't that's want right. we don't want to make our listeners the product either. So that's another thing we have to be careful of. Yeah, there's some delicate lines that have to be walked, but it just doesn't feel like advertising the traditional advertising model is going to be something that's going to fully scale for the podcasting space. As you think about, you know, I think over the next five or 10 years, we're going to see 500,000 podcasts yeah. um, that are going to be in this medium on a global basis. And how, how do each one of those ones have an opportunity, whether or not they actually do it or not, to uh, generate some revenue off of their efforts? Uh, here's where the, you know, I've always said, Rob, that if I could get, um, even 50% of my audience to contribute $2 a month to my show. Yeah. Huh. Huh. The thing I could have like three assistants. I could have, uh, I could have a studio. I, I'm, I'm not kidding. I, 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 it would be incredible mm-hmm. what I could do if the audience just gave two bucks. If my entire audience on Geek News Central gave $2 a month, I could I do a show every day. I do, do five. I do five. Or, I'd, or even a dollar a month, right? Yeah, I, I would do. I would do. A, I'd do a show every day. You know that would. You know I might kill myself doing it, but it, it it's in it, and there's a such a fine. You know you think about an audience. A show. Okay, if a podcast has a thousand listeners, which is that's very achievable by most shows. And if fifty percent of those gave two bucks in thousand dollars a month, that's life changing for a lot of podcasters. That's that's a car payment. That's a um, that's an apartment. Uh, uh, maybe maybe get you real close to paying your rent. Probably doesn't get you all the way there to pay a your your house payment. But the, the you know an extra thousand dollars in people's pockets a month is is life changing. Um, so maybe really what the goal is, is that we need to get these audiences to be understanding that maybe that's where we need to go, that just two bucks can change, you know, and if I'm listening to 10 shows, that's $20 a month. What, you know, what is that? That's nothing if I love the content. So maybe that's where we should focus is the audience support model. Yep. Because the audience can take care of this tomorrow yeah the patreon the patreon thing works good but it's clumsy but then you know how is that enabled that would have to be enabled through all the distribution platforms and there's going to be a revenue share relationship yeah then you're given a piece of your two bucks to joe blow apple or yeah i've always said a paypal link is always the best that way i get it all 
but that might be a conversation for Apple. You know, maybe that's an opportunity for Apple. Right. Maybe that maybe they do get thirty percent of that. Um, you know, it's it seems reasonable to me. Yeah. But you know, as 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 hard as I've tried, even on my show, as big a show as I have, I'm you know, less than a hundred people that are contributing. So. You know, and it becomes more challenging the more content's available, right? Yeah, but for, but for I free. think I think on average though, still the average listeners still probably only listen. You know, the hardcore podcast listeners, five six shows, yeah. so it's really not an issue. What, what if they're only listening to three shows? Then but a lot of people churn through shows too, Todd, and right? that's 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 yep. where the challenge gets back in. Yep. Right? I've had I've had people listen for a couple of years, leave for a couple of years, come back for a couple of years. Yep. Yep. All the time I'm getting emails, hey, I'm back. Didn't even know you're gone, but thanks for coming back. Yeah. And yeah. What uh, is usually the reason they come back? Is it just. Did, did they get burned out on some other show? And they want to come back. It, and, yeah. We and just see what's new with you. Yeah. yeah. We all do that. You know, I, I, I listened. There's a show I was listening to for a long time. I kind of got, man, I, I get a little burned on these guys. I went and found something else and listened for a while. And then I went back. You know, so. And that's yeah. what audiences do. Mm-hmm. You know, the key They're is to try to around. Yeah, yeah, the key is though is to try to keep them for a period of time. Mm-hmm. You know, you want them to come and stay for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're doing your job, they will. But you know, if and but most podcasters don't make it to two years, so they don't get to experience this. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, because I mean, back back when I was working on Zoom, I mean, I saw my my subscription churn on the 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 platform, and it was usually like fifty percent a week. Oh, I if I had fifty percent churn a week on my show, it that would be. I, I no way. There's no way. There's fifty percent churn. Really, I I can't imagine it being that high. Well, I saw. I mean, I saw as far as. Um, uh, people unsubscribing and subscribing. Wow, that's that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about individual shows. I'm just talking about the whole platform. Oh, 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 that's interesting. People were were unsubscribe at almost an equal basis to to subscribe. The key though is keeping if you know keeping a few extras so that you get a two or three percent growth rate a month. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. You know, yeah, I'm getting a lot of people subscribing, but I also know that incrementally the show is moving up at a certain rate well i mean that that subscribe and unsubscribe and that this was quite a few years ago so this is old information um but you know it would vary so some weeks it would be up more subscriptions other weeks there'd be more unsubscribes it it would be kind of back and forth so that creates either growth or decline in in overall subscriptions right um week over week but um Generally, it would be pretty equal uh, across the board um, week over week. People would be churning through subscriptions. Yeah. So, um, so the question then for those of you that are listening, what are you doing? Have you had success in alternate revenue generating models? What is working for you? What is not? Uh, we really, I'd like to hear from the podcasters to tell me, yep, I'm getting good success in people, you know, contributing a buck or two a month. Um, are you providing bonus material when they do? You know, what, what are you, you know, what are, what are you doing? Where do you find success? So, um, 
And there probably just needs to be across the industry. And those that are listening to this, um, you know, if you're looking to start a new company or you're looking to do something different in this medium and uh, is to let's, let's all put our heads together and see what we can come up with, with a new revenue model for podcasting yeah. and, um, not be so dependent on the traditional yeah. radio like advertising model. And Rob, fund the future of this medium. And for people that listen to this show, if you want to contribute twenty bucks a month to us, then um, if everyone did that, then Rob and I might actually be able to hire an assistant. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need an assistant. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I would. You know, it's not like I, w- I would want to quit my job either. Cause, right. You know, I. You know, my job is work, but it's also you know my. <laughs> My hobby and my passion too. So right, right. I don't really want to quit my job anyway. So, yeah. Because <laughs> um, we're both lucky enough to be able to call our jobs podcasting. Yeah. So not everybody can do that. No, no. And in any, we want. I want more people to do that. Where did I have yeah. lunch yesterday? I had lunch at the beach. I posted a couple of me, and there was lots of cute little bikinis running around. It was it was nice, you know. So. uh yeah, I have a little lunch, got a little nice trade wind, sit in the shade in a lawn chair and, you know, packed a lunch and it was, uh, you know, for, for an hour, I, you know, it, 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 we want everyone to be able to do that, you know, and for the, for the ladies, uh, there was lots of, uh, you know, um, fit young men running around too. <laughs> so, but yeah. anyway, I think we're, we're already over, but, uh. I think we are too. If you guys um, send us some feedback that he wants to talk about, and uh, lots of chat in the chat room today over on the newmediashow.com live. So uh, thank you for your uh, your comments. And let's see if there was any. Oh, good. I am glad you are not burned out yet. <laughs> <laughs> Todd and I had no idea what we were going to talk about today before we, no, we turned on I had the, no clue. the webcams. I, I woke up this morning. I'm like, I better look at the podcasting news and I loaded uh, pod to pod and I went over to pod to pod.com and I was like a lot of podcasters talking about podcasting but not a lot of outside news so it may, you know this is different though this is probably the first time we've seen a decline in news coverage in a while so maybe maybe the hype cycle is over again When's it coming back again? That's well, when it was another year and a half. One of you, see, uh, one of you out there, needs to figure out how to uh, have an explosive show or get the president to. I tell you what, get Hillary Clinton and Trump in the same room. That would be a good podcast to do. <laughs> have a boxing match. Make Trump hold a tie one arm behind his back and let her have uh, both hands, and then let him go. <laughs> there you go. I know. There's, um, yeah. Something needs to happen. Yeah, to so something. Kind of, kind of break the and that's the what pod, log jam right now. That's yeah. what podcasters have to do. They got to work their angles. They got to work, you know, go outside the box. Think about what would really kick my show into the stratosphere. What can yeah. I do? And then you know, think of the outlandish and go for it. Yeah, you really that's because if you think about it, a lot of these shows how they really they're like, wow, like I wish I'd have thought of that. Trump cast. Uh, I think it, <laughs> did anybody listen to it? I don't know. I don't know either. I didn't. I don't listen to yeah. any political shows because I get pissed off enough. I'm seeing on Facebook. So yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Please, on, please on Facebook, be nice. Let's just talk about our families and what we had for lunch. Just we need to, uh, the Facebook yeah, stuff. Hold I, it I, down, right? I had to take. I took. I had to take a break. It was stressing me out and make yeah. me want to go out and fight. <laughs> <laughs> Send Todd some boxing gloves. No, it's true, Rob. The 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 the, the hate. On both sides. Oh, I know. It's it's getting it's, it's getting toxic. Stop! 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 We have to stop. Let's quit yeah. talk. Let them do their. Everyone knows who they're voting for. If you haven't made up your mind already, get over it. Make up your mind, and let's quit talking about politics. We'll all go vote in November and be done with this thing. Yeah. Well, you know, it's just getting started oh, now. Jesus. Right? And one thing I'm thankful for in Hawaii, we don't get political ads because they know how the state's going to vote. They don't. Yeah. They don't. They don't spend no money. They don't money spend here. any money. None. There, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, you get some local politicians' ads, but those, you know, if you're watching local channels, you get them. But otherwise, there's, you know, I don't see any of this garbage that the rest of you are going to be subjected to. If you live in Ohio, Indiana, Michigan, at some of these swing states, you, you're just forget TV for the next three months. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Ugh, it's, it's disgusting. All Fire right. them all. That's what I say. Yes. <laughs> All right, everybody. Todd at newmediashow.com. Or, of course, you can uh, reach me at Geek News on Twitter. And please, if you're into tech, definitely consider watching my tech show at geeknewscentral.com. Rob? Um, I'm at uh, Rob Greenlee on Twitter. So, and that's with two E's. And um, I do the Spreaker Live show every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern um, at Spreaker or at. Um, yeah, it's SpreakerLiveShow.com, and um, that's that's probably the best way. And if you want to send me an email, you can send it to Rob at uh, Spreaker.com, and that's that's with an R. And I have a website, uh, RobGreenly.com, too. And being that we're doing this show now uh, back in here in the studio, if you want to uh, pop in from time to time um, and and add commentary, uh, definitely let us know. We can. Uh, give you the uh, Skype line to call in and, and, and make uh, comments. Uh, I think uh, unless Blab fixes itself, uh, we, we, it's hit or miss with them, so no guarantee, but we will definitely be on newmediashow.com forward slash live or we'll be um, over on Facebook as well. So, uh, but, but thanks for, excuse me, thanks for uh, tuning in and we'll be back here next week with uh, with the New Media Show. Everyone take care. We'll see ya. Bye.